You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Hello, hello, hello. I swear we're not just playing uh, music here. I promise. We just wanted to make sure you actually had something to listen to. It's very important because I have wasted many a good 10 to 15 minute period of time literally listening to and talking to myself. So now that I can do that and I've ensured that you can hear me with what I'm saying, welcome to In the Box. I am Thomas flying solo today. Normally we're here with Walt. Walt had something come up. Walt's out today. So I'll be giving you anything you need to know about what's going on around the league. The NHL, that is, is if you could not tell what In the Box might have represented. So let's dive right into it. No need to really waste a lot of time with uh, hellos and how do you do's since, you know, you're only listening to me right now. We'll jump in a little bit with the actually, since we're starting the new month, let's talk about the three stars of last month uh, recently announced. That uh, Miko Rantanen was the number one star of October. Five goals, 16 assists, 21 points, as he's playing on what might very well be the best line in hockey down there in Colorado. As crazy as that is to say, and as, it, as that may sound to some people, I mean, honestly, that's how good him and Landis Gog have been together with McKinnon. McKinnon was, was very close, I think, probably to being a star of the month as well. So uh, a, a really good start to the year for Miko Rantanen. Second. Uh, would you believe it? A Pittsburgh Penguin Center. What are the odds? It's Gino Mulkin with six goals, 13 assists, 19 points in the month of October. I tell you, I, I mean, if these guys were to carry these numbers through, they'd be, they'd be on about 120-point pace because you got November, December, January, February, March. You know, so you've already got one down. you got five more to go. That's, that's the kind of numbers we'd be looking at. Next up, Patrick Kane got the third star of the month as he scored 11 times, 7 assists, 18 points on the year. Uh, what can you say about Patrick Kane? It's the Blackhawks are, are staying alive, and really they are riding their two big stars to get that done in Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. And I think let's use that right now as a segue. As we mentioned Jonathan, Jonathan Taves, he had a milestone this week. Uh, congratulations, Jonathan Taves, scoring his 400th career NHL goal. Uh, wait, I might be one over. Am I, am I 100 over? Am I, I might be 100 too high. Yes. Congratulations, Jonathan Taves, on scoring your 300th career NHL goal. I, yeah, I was close, you know, literally just 100 goals off here or there. What, I mean, really, what difference does it make in the grand scheme of things? But he does get his 300th goal of his career. Uh, all that time spent with the Blackhawks. The goal, by the way, happened just last night as Taves and the Blackhawks would be going up against, I believe it was the Flames, as Taves gets his 300th. Congratulations to him. Scored the milestone goal against Calgary, Calgary while in Calgary, the 30-year-old was able to get it past David Ritchie to tie the game at one. It was an early on in the game goal, and uh, congratulations to Jonathan Taves on that milestone. It's always tough to say congratulations to the Chicago Blackhawks for doing anything good, but yes, Jonathan Taves, he's been a good captain for that team. Less, not one, somebody that you don't really have a lot of reasons to hate, too, which is, I guess, always a good thing, too. Uh, they, the Penguins did end up dropping that game and they now, uh, thank you SB Nation, have just a, con- a very concise 6-9 and nine record on the year. They started the year well, uh, I-, I believe 4-1, and one, so hitting a little bit of rough times. But again, congratulations Jonathan Taves, goal number 300 on the season. Well, it was not so good as we stay right there in Chicago for Duncan Keith as he was ejected for slamming somebody's head into the boards. That's just not the kind of thing you usually hear uh, with in terms from Duncan Keith, uh, usually a well-behaved guy. But uh, Keith ended up being ejected, I believe it was in that same Calgary game uh, last night as he get he got ejected for boarding Flames' Dylan Dube. Dube I think it's actually Dube. Dube? Somebody. But Dylan, uh, I, I want to say the Dube. So Dube. Got the, uh, actually, I believe he was able to return to the game, but uh, Keith with the check 
uh, sent off the ice only two minutes and 14 seconds into the game, and that doesn't help when you put yourself uh, kind of short on defensemen. Uh, Joel Quenville on Duncan Keith's game misconduct. I think maybe he got cut. I think that was part of it. The intent was certainly not there. And I, I think most people are likely to believe that because that's just not his game. And again, when you take a look at the hit, which I, I recommend you all do it, it looked like the doobie was going to cut back around the right. And he ended up keeping his head down, which uh, it's just, I mean, how a hockey player could still keep his head down in this day and age. I don't know. It looked like he was going to try to keep the puck in his skates along the boards and, and he turned right into Keith, and Keith definitely got him. Um, could face further disciplinary action. The 33 has a has history of suspension, so uh, what, what do I know? The most recently got a sixth game for high-sticking wild forward Charlie Quayle. That was back in March of 16. And uh, I believe that was the first game of the playoffs he ended up missing. Uh, he also got, a, a, um, got suspended for a game for a slash during the conference finals. So Duncan Keith, reverse flow, not that uh, not unused to seeing uh, disciplinary action. And as Duncan actually kind of not uh, again, it's maybe it's just me getting confused with him and and, and Seabrook, which I feel like I've done their entire career, but Duncan Keith be keeping an eye out for possible further uh, suspension for Duncan Keith. Speaking of uh, suspensions, again, we call that a segue. Um, Tom Wilson went to an independent arbitrator. This might have been last week, but since I was out, I will come back up or bring it back up. Uh, Tom Wilson looking to get back into the swing of things, looking to get back into the lineup. Ended up not being uh, or wanted to go to a third, um, went to a third mediator as his 20 game suspension was upheld by NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman. So he was not going to take that. We're pretty much almost to the point now where he's going to be at the 20 game point anyway. But, uh, well, he's, he's trying to get back as quickly as possible. And it looks like, uh, if that happens, uh, that we'll be getting kind of looking at a point where it may or may not matter anyway. Uh, let's see. What else do we have to talk about here? What can, what can we leave that? Let's get to the weekly milestones here. Uh, as we did have some guys that hit the milestone mark, uh, Jason Spezza and Jason Pominville. Good weeks for guys named Jason, I guess, around the league. They each would play in their 1,000th career game, and I believe both actually scored in their 1,000th career game. It's, it's funny. We seem to have these every week now. Somebody else getting to the 1,000-goal mark and Spezza, and, or 1,000-game mark, I beg your pardon, Spezza and Pominville. Now, the two guys to do that. Good weeks for them, and also a good week, a milestone week as well for Pika, or excuse me, uh, Eric Stalls, who we want to talk about. Eric Stahl gets his 400th career goal. Uh, 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 congratulations to him, as he will get his 400th career goal on a redirection and a, a, a nice goal at that. And uh, Stahl, one of those guys who it kind of looked like his career may have been over, just not, you know, just an ineffective couple of years. I believe uh, the the main ineffective year, if you will, was a, a year in New York after a trade, a, a Carolina to New York trade. It looked like Eric Stahl may have been done. He, he signs a contract, a big contract with the uh, – Minnesota Wild and really resurrects his career. Uh, he's got five goals, six assists, and thirteen games already on the year. So that's eleven points. And yeah, it was so he has a, the game. It was the year he's thirty-one. He ends up playing in eighty, actually eighty-three games because of uh, the trades that he had. But he gets uh, thirteen goals and. Uh, no, am I looking at the right line? Yep, 13 goals, 26 assists, 39 points. Um, he had a three-year trending down from 61 to 54 to 39. Looked like things were kind of winding up. His contract expires. He signs with Minnesota. Bam, comes back, scores 28 in 16-17, 42 in 17-18. And now he's got five already on this year, 65 points back in 16-17, and 76 points last year. Uh, and again, 11 through 13 games so far on the year this year. Pretty good stuff for one of the, uh, one of the, uh, a Stanley Cup champion, I should say, with the Carolina Hurricanes. 
and Eric Stahl getting it done. Again, gold number 400. That's who we got Jonathan Taves mixed up with. I knew somebody had four and somebody had three. But uh, that is a credit to both of them. Or to uh, uh, Eric Stahl, I should say. Let's move it along now to... uh, uh, Where do we want to go from there? How about returns? Big return as Patrick Eves... After missing all the last season with the Guillaume something syndrome and possibly thought he would be career threatening, he comes back, gets injured actually in the preseason, uh, bums up the shoulder, uh, ends up missing time. And finally, after all that, he was able to return to the lineup. I believe he returned last night. And, and Patrick Eves, the former Red Wing, kind of had a, a, a was here, was a defensive stalwart. Uh, ends up going elsewhere and ends up being a, a 25 goal scorer, really making a career for himself. Um, was uh, no points in the game last night, an even zero uh, on the night, but he played uh, played over 10 minutes, which is good as he's you know got to get back into the swing of things. Last year he he got into a total of two games with a goal. Uh, again this year with just playing his first game. Played in 627 games throughout his NHL career, over 240 points. But again, congratulations for him on the on the return to the league. He signed with Dallas um, in 14-15 with a 14-goal year that year. And then in 15-16, he tallied 11 goals. And in 16-17, kind of his watermark year, uh, 32 apparently sat very well with him as he scored 32 goals as a 32-year-old. 21 of those goals in Dallas and 11 of them in Anaheim, as he would also combine for 51 points, by far the best season of his NHL career. Good to see him in Anaheim, happy to see him as he returns to the ice and they get a little bit more forward depth. Speaking of forward depth and returning to the ice, Patrick E's return. Who else has returned this week? How about Pico Rene coming back from injury? He was brought back off the IR and how about this? He also got a new contract. It's a two-year extension at five million per. Uh, you know, Walt and I often talk about Nashville, and Pico Rene ends up getting the extension. He was going to be an unrestricted free agent after this year. And, you know, it's the good Pekka, bad Pekka, and that's kind of the way it works for him. But Nashville, obviously, very comfortable keeping them, keeping him in the fold. So he is brought on. Or excuse me, he is signed and brought back, I should say, on a two-year, uh, $10 million deal. And then in while coming back, or in the first game back, he leads Nashville to a big victory over the Tampa Bay Lightning. As he was stellar in that game. Anytime you, you can beat Tampa Bay with your offense, you're, you're doing something right. Or uh, with your goaltender, I should say. You're, you're, you're living right. As Pico Rene would end up getting a victory there. Let's kind of... Take a look at see what his numbers look like this year after his return from IR. Through seven games, he is five and one with two shutouts. And again, he returned to the lineup uh, in Tampa back on the first. And that game in Tampa, he would end up getting 42 of 43, playing all 60 minutes. And then the next night, or excuse me, two nights later on the third, Boston would go into Nashville and then Boston would fall. But he'd shut Boston out 26 for 26 and he played 59-58, meaning he probably got off on the ice for two minutes, two seconds, I should say, during an opportunity to pull a goaltender. But Pete Rennie, Nashville, happy to have him back as he is now giving up just one goal in his return, seeing over, uh, at, excuse me, at 69 shots, 68 saves. For Rennie, and that's boy, that's got to make any Nashville Predator fan quite happy. Predators also, while we're talking about them, had quite the little bit of a uh, kind of a funny sort of throwing shade at the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, you know, it, it, it's funny because they, you know, these two teams were kind of the projected. You know, we there was I think there was a projection for them to go to the conference meetup in the conference finals. Well, I'm sorry, Vegas had no uh I, I should say assumptions of that. I think as the year went on, 
Uh, it kind of looked like these two teams might have been on a collision course for the Western uh, for the conference finals. But Vegas visit, visits Nashville. They have a a little night there talking about Excalibur and needing to pull the sword sword from the stone. And the Nashville mascot comes out with a guitar and nails him in the back WWE style. Quite a wind up in his thing. Then he just drops the guitar right on him and skates back off. So mocking the eight-hour pregame shows that basically Vegas was using in the postseason last year and pretty much uh, during pretty much throughout most of the season. So kind of a funny moment there. If you get a chance, go on and uh, see if you can find that on the Twitter, the YouTube, the Google, wherever you need to go. But a, a pretty funny moment there before game and then during the game. Nashville uh, kind of backed it up as they would win a game four to one over the Predators, uh, or excuse me, over the Golden Knights. That was the day before Halloween. Vegas kind of struggling here. They are now uh, they were five six and one at that point after that game. Uh, big game for uh, Ryan Hartman, who would score two in that one. Riley Smith got the lone Vegas goal. They actually led one to nothing. But two goals by Hartman in the second period, and Yarncrock and Arvidsson would score in period three. Victor Arvidsson, the empty net goal at 17.42, so with over two minutes to play. And that would be his eighth of the season from Roman Yossi. So kind of funny moments there. Hopefully those two teams will meet up in a series somewhere down the road. And uh, that's something we can all kind of keep our fingers crossed for. Uh, let's also, uh, we talked about Pika Rennie and his contract extension. Somebody else got extended this week. Uh, Yanni Gord down in Tampa Bay, uh, as they continue to kind of hand out large contracts to their core, which seems to be everybody. Yanni Gord gets a six year extension at over five AVV. Uh, Gord, probably the best player, one of the better players that you've never heard of, uh, as he is, Quickly moving up the uh, the the point scale and the line kind of charts, if you will, of uh, in, down there in Tampa Bay. He's actually kind of replaced. I don't want to say completely, but he's kind of really taken over for Tyler Johnson in a lot of ways. Uh, he's a center iceman. Is, I believe he's been playing most of those second-line minutes. Average time on ice this season, 17 minutes, 41 seconds on average, 13 points in 13 games played. Uh, last year, he played in all 82 with 64 points. The year before that was pretty much his rookie year. The 16-17 season, he would score uh, six goals, two assists, and 20 points. He really, It really seems like they may have gotten a steal there because, I tell you, he finished sixth for the Calder last year, and it looks like, uh, again, not really uh, kind of picking up where he left off, I should say. Last year with the, the uh, 64 points in 82 games, this year a goal, a point per game, five goals, eight assists. So Tampa Bay a team that's getting very close to the cap. But uh, they uh, keep in their stars, and they uh, we'll take a look at their cap situation here in just a moment. But a good a good job locking up Yanni Gord long-term. Uh, official cap hit was 5.16666666666666 repeating, repeating on and on and on and on and on. Uh, let's see here. Let's take a look at that lightning... Uh, cap chart here. See where they are at. They are still, believe it or not, uh, about two million under the cap at this point. Uh, again, because stuff like those extensions won't kick in until next year. So here, here's an idea of what could end up happening. So right now, with all the contracts that are out there, um, like Gord is only making a million dollars this year. So right now, their forwards, uh, fourteen forwards comprise forty-four, just actually a hair under forty-five million. Four guys are restricted free agents, yet the guys that they have signed will total fifty million already under the cap. So, some 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 difficult choices definitely coming down in Tampa, when uh, it won't be Steve Eisenman making them again. You'd think Tyler Johnson and maybe J.T. Miller could be potential candidates. Palat, you got a lot of guys making over five million dollars. Is the moral of the story there with with Gord? Well, actually, let's say over four, you know, Kalorn's at four or five. And then you've got um, Stamkos, Callahan, uh, Palat, Miller, Johnson, and Gord next year will all be over five million. Kucherov actually will be at nine million. So just a lot of money coming out. The defense only has two guys signed. 
uh, Sergachev at under 900,000, and then McDonough at just a hair under 7 million. Unrestricted free agents all are Girardi, Colburn, and Strawman. So we could see some shuffling on that back end defensively. Um, and don't forget Victor Hedman, who's on injured reserve. He's making $8 million a year. So uh, McDonough, Hedman, and Sergachev are probably going to be the cornerstones of that Lightning defense after this coming year. But it'll be interesting to see who they supplement that with. Let's go. Uh, let's see. Where do we want to go from here? Let's go global. As the NHL Global Series as out in, I believe it was Finland, Finland maybe, as we talk. You know, that kind of high, that high voice. I think, I think, I think I know what's going on. Um, well, that's just prepubescent, so that one wasn't really very good. But you know what I mean. You, you got something and you just kind of start talking really high like you think you're right while you're thinking about it. But it was, the two teams were definitely, that I know, and that was... Uh, the Winnipeg Jets and the Florida Panthers heading over there as Patrick Lyonet apparently really, really likes to play at home. And by home, I mean uh, Tampere, Finland. I think I knew it was Finland. Um, boy, I tell you, also Google Patrick Lyonet's photo and his first picture is, I don't know, looks like a 14-year-old. Although I guess what? He's only actually a 20-year-old, so maybe I'm just showing my age by... <laughs> By saying, oh, he looks so young. Well, I guess compared to me, he is. But uh, Line A and the Jets would be out. They would play Florida. Line A, four goals in the two games. The two teams would actually split the two games um, out there. As Winnipeg would win the first game over the the Panthers. Um, Let's see. Let's find you some scores. Just say winning. Let's get you some scores here. Uh they would uh, win. Actually, how about this? Same score. Back on Thursday the 1st, they would get a 4-2 victory. Again, line A with the hat trick. Uh, the third goal was the empty netter goal. Uh, the next day, Florida would flip the script. They would go 4-2 with a victory themselves. Um, again, one goal in that one for the aforementioned stud, uh, Patrick Line, And that four-goal game that that victory for the Florida Panthers uh goals there by Yandel and Hoffman and Dadanoff would cash in and Vitrano would get the four goals for the Florida Panthers funny moment before that series kind of or kicked off is be asked Paul Maurice was asked by one of the foreign uh or one of the the reporters over there is that was uh and oh, the, the player, I think it was Line A. Was Barkoff going to be showing Line A? Uh, who's the daddy? Uh, and just also where you feel like maybe something got lost in translation as they tried to get it, uh, relay the, the question to Paul Maurice. And Paul Maurice had the hilarious answer of saying two hilarious parts of it, really, where it was like, one is that you just don't get questions like that over on the uh, across the pond and two is he didn't even know what that meant but a, a little bit of a funny moment in that press conference between uh the reporters out there covering that series that uh international series between the panthers and the jets uh let's see if we can pull up the actual quote yeah uh, and I want to make sure I got the players right because now I feel like, you know, you take notes, you, you, you prepare, and then you realize you don't take good enough notes because you think, oh, I'll remember that, I'll remember that, I'll remember that, and then you don't remember. <sighs> I tell you, it's tough. It's tough being this, this entertaining by yourself, let me tell you. It's not easy at all. Uh, uh, if I could make the noise, you'd buy allow you to hear me while I'm scrolling, which would maybe make this a little bit more fun. Um, not likely, but hey, we're looking for ways to 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 keep it entertained. You know, that's just all we're doing here. Again, with the noise, Paul Maurice. Oh, you know, you think it's something's going to be quick and then you end up and it's 45 minutes later. But anyway, so moral of the story is... Uh, 
the, a funny moment for Paul Maurice where I believe it was Barca or it was a Lion A. I really want to say it was a, a Lion A and Barkoff with the question was, uh, you know, who is the daddy on that one? And, and, and the Paul Maurice response again was just pretty, uh, I don't know how I'm actually being asked this. Pretty shocked and pretty hilarious. So if you get a chance, go ahead and pull that one up. Take a look and listen to his kind of shocked response as an answer to that question. We had a uh, a star or a excuse me a a a impressive streak uh, stuffed at 12 games, and that's Sebastian Ajo. He's one of three players in NHL history to open the season with assists in 12 straight games. He was looking to pass Gretzky and uh, as one of the two players. Um, and it was. Yay, Lion A and Barkoff. <laughs> see, 45 minutes later. Um, <laughs> see, we get you there. Uh, with assists in 12 straight games to start the season, he would not get one in game 13. Longest such streak since the 80s, though, when Gretzky had his. So congratulations to Sebastian Aho. And, and for Carolina, they got to be thrilled as the contract extensions have talked. And word out on the street is that they're not crazy far apart in money. Um, between the two men, or between the the player Sebastian Aho and the Carolina Hurricanes, and I'm sure Carolina love to get Sebastian lo- locked up to a long term deal. Also, uh, going back to the global series, looks like 2019 it'll continue. Early thoughts say that uh, they they could be trying to hit four countries: Sweden, Germany, Switzerland, and the Czech Republic. Lightning owner has come out and said that they have been asked and they are likely heading to Sweden next year. So um, possibly four countries. We already know possibly one of the teams heading over to those four countries. Uh, okay, we're to take you from there. The big news that actually happened today, uh, breaking news, was that John Stevens was actually fired as coach of the Los Angeles Kings given their start. Uh, I believe if I saw correctly, Eric Desjardins will be replacing him um, as the new coach uh, over in LA, uh, the Kings start three five and three. I believe is is what got uh, got him relieved of his duties. Is John Stevens out in LA? That broke earlier today. Desjardins will be the interim coach um, for the Los Angeles Kings. Um, And this is going to come up any moment now. I tell you the Wi-Fi. I'm not having. I'm not having good luck with Wi-Fi today. Ugh, just not having a good good Wi-Fi luck today. But uh, yeah, there it is. Uh, finally, records. Here we go. Uh, with the Kings sitting in last place in the Western Conference with a four eight and one record. Um, so Willie Desjardins again introduced as interim a coach Sunday. Uh, rough week. We talked about who had a good week. Some of the guys that have had good weeks. How about a, a rough week? Derek, uh, Mike Condon for the Ottawa Senators gets beat by a 150 foot shot by Derek Stepan, a shorthanded goal from Derek Stepan, and then would be waived two days after the goal went in. So Mike Condon, he is really winning the battle for worst week ever award. Uh, I tell you, he got pulled right after that. It was the third goal he had allowed in the game against Arizona. So uh, an interesting sort of turn of events is Mike Condon has been released. And he had that famed season on about two or three years ago. He was just maybe one of the best goaltenders in the league for a stretch and, and falling on hard times and now falling onto the waiver wire. I want to get back to Jason Spezza for a second. Came out today, earlier today, late last night said that he'd be willing to take a pay cut to stay in Dallas, that he's enjoying his time there in Dallas. So he gets his 1,000th uh, uh, game played there, and now maybe Jason Spezza could be in long-term, or at least for a couple, three years or more, with the Dallas Stars. Kind of an odd stat here coming up next. How about the Toronto Maple Leafs? As America's team... (laughs) The most facetious thing I've ever said. Canadians team is probably what would be the right way thing to say. As they are 6-0-0 on the road. And and Austin Matthews out, I believe, last week. What was week one? So I think this is kind of pushing the 10-day, two weeks out of the lineup. Projected to be out four with a shoulder injury. Doesn't that kind of tell you 
Toronto's better off getting out of Toronto to play hockey. <laughs> it's when they don't have their media and they don't have to answer all the, those questions every day. They're six and zero on the road so far this season. Six zero and zero, so they've gotten twelve of twelve and all of them in regulation. Uh, off to the great start, Toronto is, and again, it, it it hasn't taken long. I believe the top three that we kind of projected are sitting at the top. Actually, Montreal may have snuck up in there. Montreal having a surprisingly really good start to the season. I know a lot of people were kind of thinking, Ew, but as long as Carey Price stays healthy, I think they're gonna they're gonna stick around because that's really what they've done. But currently, it does sit the Lightning with 19 points in 13 games. The Leafs with 18 points in 14 games. And Boston with 16 points in 13 games. So, yeah, sitting quite the way we thought they would be. Uh, as we <laughs> called before, we, Walt and I predicted we didn't know the order. We knew the three, but we didn't know the order. And those three on top. Toronto gets that sixth win. They shut out Pittsburgh uh, last night in Pittsburgh, obviously. So, uh, a good... Good game there for the Maple Leafs. Again, more possible. Let's get back to kind of the the blotter, the police blotter. Um, Lemieux ha- uh, is going to have a, a hearing for his high hit on Trochiak over in the um, international series. Uh, Brennan Lemieux, that is, that he's got a hearing scheduled for Monday afternoon for his high hit on uh, Trochiak. Trochiak did not miss any time, I believe. The other one is actually Brad Marchand, who had just the most unbelievable, terrible dive in the hit. Uh, just he was not touched, and 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 you know, you know, sometimes people will say not touched, and and he, you know, they're they're touched a little bit. No, no, no. He just straight up just fell to the ice while he was skating towards a player trying to draw a penalty. The referees didn't bite. He received a ten minute misconduct call, and I thought I had read. And perhaps I, I missed this, but I, I I thought I had read that he actually could potentially be um, sent off, or I should say, um, sus- suspended, but maybe not. Um, and I might be wrong on that. I thought that I read that he was going to end up potentially being um, being suspended for that. Can't find that, but just kind of a unbelievable why would i say that's unbelievable that's just so marchand um just just colton sissons was the man he tried to draw into it and sissons since this is like are you kidding me and 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 just glad that the referees saw it i think uh, of all the things you can say about it just glad the referees saw it so that it wasn't one of those things where they'd have to deal with the press afterwards with marchand faking the being hit sissons obviously uh just to kind of I'm sure he had a really, really good laugh at that one. Uh, so, yeah, that is what's going on there with the Brad Marchand saga because there always is some sort of Brad Marchand saga. Devils actually coming into a little bit of a saga as they have sent Pavel Zaka, the sixth overall pick in the draft, uh, I believe three or four years ago, down to the AHL. Uh, a, a kind of a surprise turn of events. Jersey having a, a, a relatively okay start to the season, and um, let's see. There's NewJersey.com or NJ.com has a, an interesting article on what pushed the Devils to send Zaka down to the AHL, and, and really what they kind of just said was is that. Um, Zaka will will serve his first minor league stint since 2016-17. And it's just they're trying to jumpstart his play. Um, They scratched him a game, put him back in the lineup, didn't really see the difference as he has finished without a point over the Devils' first 10 games, despite despite seeing plenty of ice time as the team's second-line center. He was the sixth overall pick in 2015, um, but just has not blossomed on the offensive side with 51 points in 150 games. And as Walt and I always love to do, we'll play the most unfair game as we can and see who was drafted in that 2015 draft that New Jersey is probably kicking themselves that they didn't get, um, that they didn't take with the sixth overall pick. Again, the draft game is the funniest game because it's, uh, you know, always. I mean, every time. You could do this with every team around 
all sports. Oh, we have this guy when that guy was available. So I, I mean, it's just the most unfair game you could possibly play. But we're going to play it anyway just because it's also really a fun. It's really just a fun game to play. To be like, oh, yeah, you could have had this guy. How would the Devils feel? How different would the Devils be if they took? How about Zach Wierenski? Uh, that'd be a pretty good pickup. How about Miko Rantanen? Well, this is <laughs> almost a who's who. So Zaka going after McDavid, Eichel, Strom, Marner, and Hannafin. Provorov, Wierenski, Meyer from San Jose. Rantanen, Kraus, the next group. And then... A little bit later in the first round, Jake DeBrusque, Thomas Chabot, who's having a really good season, Cal Connor, Evgeny Savechnikov. Oh, no, 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 wrong Savechnikov. Matthew Barzell, who's been spectacular, uh, Brock Bozer, Travis Konechny, uh, Noah Juleson, who's been real good for Montreal this year. Um, yeah, so a little bit of a mistake there by the Devils again. Every team's got those moments and, and, and kind of has those uh, mistakes, but the Devils definitely... Not happy with Pavel Zaka again, with just basically a point every three games throughout his NHL career. Not struggling in his NHL career is Elias Pettersson, who has missed six games and has just still been lighting the world on fire. He just had a five-point game. Um, I believe that was last night, or I believe it might have actually been two nights ago as uh, this team had a 7-6 to victory, Vancouver did. Uh, let's pull up his numbers, just which has just been ridiculous thus far. Obviously, the early leader in the clubhouse for the Calder Trophy. He was the fifth overall pick in the 2017 NHL Draft. And in nine games, nine goals, six assists, 15 points for Elias Pettersson. Off to the fantastic start for the Vancouver Canucks, with along with Horvat and um, the aforementioned Bozer. Montreal, or excuse me, Montreal, Vancouver, off to a much better start to the year, I'm sure, than most people kind of probably projected for them. Um, they knew that, I think people thought they'd, that they'd be better, but they ended up being much better. As Let's get to those standings here. League, NHL, standings. So in that Pacific Division, Vancouver. Again, Wi-Fi killing me. Killing me, Smalls, with the Wi-Fi. Here it is. It's probably more my devices. Vancouver sitting second. How about this in the Western Pacific? The three Canadian teams. Calgary sitting in first. Vancouver sitting in second. And Edmonton sitting in third. San Jose, Arizona, Vegas, Anaheim, and Los Angeles round out the Pacific Division. Uh, How about that for a look? As Nashville, Minnesota, Winnipeg top the uh, Western Central. Colorado, Dallas, Chicago, St. Louis as we run through the division standings here. Islanders, Penguins, Blue Jackets, Hurricanes, Capitals, Flyers, Devils, Rangers. And finally, Tampa, Toronto, Boston, Montreal, Buffalo, Ottawa, Detroit, and Florida. Yep, Detroit is not last, although they have played in three more games and only have one more point than the Florida Panthers, so that could change shortly. But again, good start to the year for Peterson. Great start to the year for the Vancouver Canucks. Um, on the injury front, uh, got another injury here. Jonathan Quick now out of the lineup as he has a torn meniscus. I believe the prognosis is a month that he could be out of the lineup as the Kings struggles go from bad to worse as again, worst team in the West. And now they're going to be out without one of their best players. And we got some prominent words being spoken by, how about this? Ho saying. Chan Hong Sang from the Islanders, they said that he was intent or that the new regime was intent in sending him on to the AHL as uh, he's been very vocal throughout his NHL career about how he feels he should uh, be much, much higher in the lineup, not maybe not be playing in the A, but he's uh, and to an extent, his numbers really solid uh, with the Islanders. He's gotten 22 points and 43 NHL games throughout his career, so. It's what's come into question really has been his commitment both offensively and defensively. You gotta have that drive all the time. That's what player that's what coaches want to see. That's how you get the playing time. We've been lucky here um to have that with I think 71 Dylan Larkin is showing you that drive on both ends of the ice. And so and we've enjoyed that 
with what Dylan Larkin has done for the Red Wings. And I think it's, it's, it's an effort, maybe not that level of an effort, but an effort that they are hoping to see out of Hosang there in the new, uh, excuse me, on Long Island. Actually, I should say Brooklyn. Final thing we want to bring out here in the first half of the show. How about the Montreal Canadiens scoring two goals in two seconds? New NHL record. It started with, I believe, Domi coming up the wing, firing one into the corner to beat the goaltender, uh, Braden Holtby. Actually made it a 5-4 to four game. The Capitals start with the uh, net empty. They lose the faceoff right to Joel Armia. Armia steps the line, fires at the length of the ice. Officially, they say two seconds between the goals. That is the fastest goal second differential now in league history. So we will end segment one with a little bit of history. That right there up between or for the Habiton de Canadiens. That's going to do it for the first half of the show here, looking uh, around the league as we went. After this, after the break, when we come back, we'll take a look. We'll bring it local. What's going on here with our Detroit Red Wings and what they did this past week uh, as they would uh, put together a little bit of a win streak, although the week would end on a low note. Uh, uh, I'm pulling duties here for Walt here on In the Box of actually running the computer, and that is not smart because I'm doing the Walt thing too, which is totally forgetting to set up the music to go into break, which is which is just great. Um, so here, here, this is ironic. Let's go with this. Let's go with a little boys to men on the outro because this is the end of the road of the first segment. Stay tuned, folks. We're coming back in probably eh, a good seven minutes. We figured that song was apt because the Red Wings went to work this week for a little bit. Felt good. Really, really good. They got wins. So Walt was on the air when, uh, or, or last Sunday, I think Walt was on the air with you, uh, when, when Detroit ends up getting the victory over the Dallas Stars to, to, to start the, the ball of momentum rolling this week. So let's take you now to Columbus on Tuesday where Detroit would jump out and play a great first period, um, get a 3-0 lead with goals by Michael Rasmussen uh, from Vanek and uh, Nyquist. That was a minute six in on the power play. Larkin then would get a shorthanded goal. I believe his third of the year already. He's been fantastic shorthanded. His fifth goal, third, um, fifth goal overall. Helm would get the assist his third. And Detroit would jump ahead 2-0 at the 9.30 mark. Then late in the period, Anthony Mantha with Larkin getting a six assist. Cronwall second. Mantha with a nice goal to make it 3-0, 13-33 into the hockey game. And Detroit off and running. And we already had curly fries before the first 20 were in the book. No goals throughout period number two, but in period number three, uh, things got a little rocky. And by a little rocky, I mean uh, completely rocky because we ended up getting tied. Josh Anderson would score his sixth. Uh, Hannah Kainanen and would get his, the, his first assist of the year on that. Murray, his second, uh, or he would get his sixth assist as the secondary assist, I should say. Uh, and that would make it um, at the 248 mark. That made it three to one. At 9.59, Marcus Nudevara, he would get his first. Again, Hannah Kynan's second assist. 3-2, Pierre-Luc Dubois, his fourth at 11.21. 3-3. But Detroit, on a great play, Tyler Bertuzzi and D- Dennis Shalowski, and this is what we like saying, a couple of the young kids making nice plays late in the game. Detroit kept their composure and ended up with a play with Chalowski carrying the puck around um, or getting a feed from Mike Green and then carrying a puck around. Um, oh, this NHL.com is so, such a weird app. Anyway, so carrying it down low, not being afraid to make a little pinch, getting the puck out in front to, to, to Bertuzzi, Bertuzzi getting it into the net. After I believe it was actually against Bobrovsky, as he had been, they had flip flopped goaltenders. Uh, Bobrovsky did not get the start, um, 
Nudavara Potts, um, yep, uh, Bobrovsky did it, wasn't at that point, but Bertuzzi would get his fourth from Chalowski again and Green, 1636. Dylan Larkin would add an unassisted empty net goal, his sixth of the year at 1917, and Detroit would get back-to-back wins in regulation for the first time this season. I tell you, if I had a hallelujah button, we'd be playing it, and it looked like they were putting things together. And would it continue? Well, yeah, let's go to November 1st. New Jersey comes to Little Caesars Arena, and New Jersey started out by taking the 2 nothing lead as Blake Coleman would score. Uh, oh, nope, nope, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I missed the Red Wings goal. The Red Wings actually started the scoring in that game as Martin Furk did what Martin Furk is brought on to do. Um Actually, you know what? Let's go back to that Columbus game for a quick moment because we want to run down the stats for you here. Forgot to do that. Shots on goal were 37 to 32. Faceoffs Detroit 51 to 49. Power play. The Detroit power play was 1 for 2. Columbus's was 0 for 5. Uh, Columbus credited with 6 more hits, 19 to 13. Detroit credited with 10 more blocks, 18 to 8. Giveaways. How about this? Detroit only 7. And uh, Columbus with 17 was credited against them. That as the stats for that one. Now let's go to the first and Marty Furk doing what Marty Furk does a bullet shot from Mike Green, Dylan Larkin getting the secondary assist, a power play tally at the 754 mark of period one, and Detroit would be off and running one nothing. That lead would stay until the 1412 mark of period number two when Blake Coleman would score his fourth from Zajac and Johnson to make it a one to one hockey game. Then the third period would uh, bring about the scoring, would it not? Uh, after Sammy Vatanen would score his first on the power play from Hersher and Zajac to make it 2-1, to one, Michael Rasmussen would get his second to answer it. Nyquist would get his ninth assist. Chalowski with his sixth assist at the 459 uh, uh, mark. And really a nice play by Rasmussen in front of the net, um, causing some trouble. Shot gets on, and then he is able to roof it. Uh, the, the rebound, his own rebound, really, to make it a two to two game. We would stay that way for till the twelve fifty mark, and that is when Justin Abdelkader would get his second from Glenn Denning. A great rush, shorthanded again by Detroit. Glenn Denning gets the sh- lets the shot go, rebound sits there. Abdelkader goes to the net, tips it in by Corey Schneider, who he played his first game and uh, since. Filling in in the relief in the postseason last year, and I believe he missed all the regular seasons. So, a t- lot of time out of net. Corey Schneider, his return. Detroit did not make it a very good one. Uh, a late goal, not an empty. I don't believe it was an empty net goal, but yes, I'm sorry, it was. It was Daly with a re- a crazy goal actually. As Larkin wins a faceoff, Daly wraps it around the boards, and it's a perfect pool shot as it glazes off the gla- uh, uh, glass. Bounces down into the empty net. Daly's first of the year. Larkin's eighth assist. That would come at 19-17. Detroit, another shorthanded goal. So Detroit would have two power play, two shorthanded goals in the game. Marcus Johansson would get one late at the 1956 mark uh, from Hall and Hersher. Uh, the goal for Johansson, just his second of the year. Detroit, uh, goaltender Jimmy Howard, pretty upset that that goal was allowed to stand. Um as they felt that there was a goaltender interference on it, uh, they do let let the goal up. I I actually wasn't surprised that they allowed the goal to count. Uh, I kind of thought that it was probably a good goal. Um, referees saw it that way, but uh, Detroit was able to win the ensuing faceoff, and no harm, no foul would come from that uh, little opportunity there late in the game. Uh, after the Devils cut it to one to four to three, Detroit would skate away with the victory there, and Detroit again looked good. Um, you know, a devil team that isn't necessarily tearing it apart, but really felt like Detroit took the play to the Devils throughout most of the hockey game, um, or at least had carried the play the majority of the time. Um, big number, big part of the reason why, uh, 59% on the faceoffs to 41, outshot the Devils 31-28. Both power plays were two for five for both teams. Uh, that included a hit. Or uh, both of those teams also with the fight between uh, Luke Glendening and Sammy Vatanen and Glendening holding his own in the fisticuffs in the scrap, which was nice to see. Uh, hits in that one 25-20 in favor of the Wings, block 17-11 in favor of the Devils, and both teams were credited with 12 giveaways. 
Um, again, what stands out from that game? Detroit actually going with the seven defensemen and 12 forwards, or 11 forwards due to the injury bug hitting them. And as Wayne Megan also being called up, Jacob De La Rose in the lineup doing things. Dylan, uh, just a kind of this helter skelter lineup with what would be the equivalent of probably the second or third line out with Athanasiu and uh, Thomas Vanek and Franz Nielsen out. Detroit goes with this lineup. Witkowski is actually listed as a forward, but I believe he played the majority of his shifts as a defenseman. Anyway, what does that yield for ice time for you? First, in the uh, 21 minutes and 51 seconds, Dylan Larkin led all forwards for Detroit. Justin Ablicator did end up over the 20-minute mark himself as he played 20-39. Uh, both power play and penalty kill time, 302 shorthanded, 334 on the power play. Larkin, similar numbers, 338 on the power play and 201 shorthanded. Defensively, uh, Mike Green, 22 minutes, second on the team, or Dennis Chalowski only played 15 minutes that night. That was, uh, I feel, rare. I feel like it's it's really been, Chalowski's been spectacular um, for Detroit here, I, I read uh, one opinion piece that actually had him as the as the fifth in the in the Calder Power Rankings. Yeah, somebody took the time to come up with Calder Power Rankings. They had Dennis Chalowski as the fifth, and it, it's really not surprising considering what Chalowski has done so far here in his time in Detroit. Um, he missed a couple of games. Detroit obviously looked worse in those games that he was not in. He's got two goals, six assists, eight points in 12 games. He has a minus six, but he's also playing with Mike Green. So, yeah, I mean, that's almost to be expected. He is, uh, you know, the, the wings started with all of those rookie defensemen up. And, and you know, this is where experience still very much matters. And I know you want to, a lot of people kind of have said, you know, what, you know, what, where are the kids? What happened to the kids? We wanted all the kids and kids, 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 kids. But, you know, Detroit, if you look at the lineup that was out there for those two shellackings, the game against Montreal and the game against Boston, it was, I believe they had the four rookie defensemen out there in those two games. Uh, if you remember, Green missed the beginning part of the season with injury. So did Erickson. And Cronwell, I believe, were all missed the first three games. Uh, Green missed the first nine. Uh, Cronwell came back. He's played them all since. Uh, Erickson returned to the lineup. Daly started the year up. He then missed, I believe, three or four games due to a concussion. So there was all this rotation of defensemen, and and it was you know guys like Hicketts and Haronic, and um, who else who was sent down? Hicketts, Haronic. Uh, and the fourth, third, whose name's escaping me right now, we're getting the big, big time minutes. And you just wonder if that's really, you know, it was not the guys you wanted. You know, you, you still need that veteran presence. And say what you will about Jonathan Erickson and, and Nicholas Cronwell skating around in one leg and Erickson being a waste of space. But you know what? Once more of these guys started coming into the lineup, Detroit started winning more games, guys. So you you can't just I I know you want to go youth movement and I know a lot of people don't like Ken Holland, but you know I think this is this is kind of his point. You you saw early in the season that kind of this is his point is that you can't go all kids all the time because you you just don't have that veteran leadership and guys that you can rely on and and it was when Detroit started kind of filling out their lineup and getting a healthy defense core back. No, there's no you know. Calder Trophy winners or anything like that on on, on the or uh, Calder, but Norris guys on this roster right now, or there might not even be a top, I don't know, fifty defensemen. And if it is, it might very well be Chalowski. But at the end of the day, you still got to have that experience, and I and I think that that's really why you've seen the Red Wings be better as of late. Um, again, most of their losses, no more than one goals or two goals, with one of them being an empty netter. Uh, we just circle those two big, big spots that really kind of shine brightly. Um, the go- games against Montreal and Boston, but outside of that, you know, Detroit has not played uh, a terrible hockey this season. They're gonna, and you know, the effort's been there the majority of the nights, and and that's really all you can ask. Uh, you look at the overall points for this team. Uh, let's break these numbers down here. Well, we can. This is heading into the. Uh, Excuse me, this is after the Edmonton game, which we're going to get to in just a moment. Larkin leading the team with six goals, Bertuzzi with five, Athanasiu with four, Mantha with three, Chalowski with two, Vanek with two, Rasmussen with two, Abdelkader and Jensen also with two. 
you, these are some of the guys you'd hope you'd see start picking it up a little bit. Um, you know, we talked, they talked about on most of the broadcasts how snake bitten it seemed like the entire roster was at the same time. Uh, that is true. And we'd like to see some guys come out of that. Meanwhile, assist Gustav Nyquist. Not really what you, you have him here for, but he does have 11 assists in 14 games, which is a really good, real good number for Nyquist. Larkin with nine assists is second on the team. Chalowski and Nielsen six are tied for third, while Glendening has five. Bertuzzi, Vanek, Helm, Green in the three assist club. And you put that all in points. Nobody on this team, or excuse me, Dylan Larkin, the only player on this team with a point per game average. Nyquist with 12, Bertuzzi with eight, Chalowski with eight. Athanasiu and Glendening each with six, as well as Nielsen Manta with five. And Manta also want to mention him. He has looked better. You know, it, it, it seems to be like we're going to have this constant question almost of uh, of how hard is Manta going. And it, it's really good to see that uh, Manta, again, don't know how if he's really gotten um, the goals necessarily that we've wanted to see, but. Mantha definitely taking advantage, making some plays, uh, starting to be a little bit more uh, offensive, being a little bit more involved, and that bodes very, very well. As you know, he's going to be one of those guys that's definitely considered the cornerstone, one of the cornerstones as this team continues to build it on up. Let's go to last night, shall we? Uh, the third Saturday, November third, Edmonton Oilers. Connor McDavid coming in for their only trip of the season. One of those guys worth the worth the price of admission. Uh, Detroit entered the game at four seven and two. Edmonton with seven wins themse- with for themselves entering the season, and started out badly enough. How about twelve seconds in badly enough as David uh, Kigulia would get his fifth from McDavid and Clefbaum just twelve seconds in. The anthems were just finishing. The beer lines were still winding down, uh, but Edmonton would lead one to nothing. Jacob De La Rose would get his first as a Red Wing from Nyquist and. Rasmussen at the 1452 mark, and we would skate off tied up at one after 20 minutes of play. Then uh, Alex Chason would snap one home to make his sixth from McDavid and Larson. I thought that was actually a power play goal, although it doesn't look like a, it's not saying that here. I could have swore that was a power play goal by Chason. Again, his sixth of the year. Somebody who played actually with Ed, or, uh, the Capitals last year, barely able to crack their lineup. Now on a line with McDavid, it would appear, and six goals. What a shocker. Kyle Brodziak making a name for himself as he would score two. He'd get his first from Carrera at uh, the 1420, um, 1429 mark to make it 3-1 to one Edmonton. Danny who drew back into the lineup, would score his first of the year from Glendening and Furk after Furk earlier in the period had been just stoned with one of the best saves that you're going to see. Um by the Edmonton netminder. Ferk was able to rebound mentally enough to be able to get an assist um, on the DeKaiser goal, a 3-2 to two game after two. Good late, big late goal to give Detroit a little bit of oomph. In period number three, though, Brodzak, as we mentioned, gets his second. That made it 4-2 to two at the 8.57 mark of period number three. Detroit would get a curly fries again. Tyler Bertuzzi this time at the 18.34 mark from Larkin and Nyquist. Bertuzzi's fifth. Detroit within one, having a minute and a half left. Not even a, really a lot of sustained pressure. Uh, had a chance or two maybe. Bernier made 38 saves for Detroit, but that is how that one would wind up with Detroit falling to the Edmonton Oilers by a score of 4-3. to three. Again, another one-goal game. In the game, Edmonton out shooting Detroit as they really carried the play, forty-two to twenty-six. Faceoffs were fifty-three to forty-seven in terms of percentage. Again, that in favor of the Oilers. Only three power plays in the game. Detroit zero for two. Edmonton zero for one. So clearly, I was just flat out wrong on that. I thought that it was a power play. Hits twenty-three for Detroit, seventeen for the Oil. Blocks the Oilers had eleven block shots. Detroit with eight, and Detroit also with fourteen giveaways versus only seven for the Oilers. Kind of the stats, numbers, eye test things that kind of jump out at you. Um, how about this? Every forward for the Oilers 
playing under 20 and over 10 minutes. That's the kind of balance that a team wants to have. Uh, and that's also a game where you don't have penalty kills and power plays. I think that that's also partly part of the reason why you're going to get numbers like that. So Edmonton showing a bit of a balanced game off. Defensively, their third pairing of Garrison and Benning didn't neither of them netted 15 minutes or would be on the ice 15 minutes while Nurse, Clefbaum, Larson, and Russell would all play between 20 and 25 minutes. Uh, Kuskinen with the win th- there for the Oilers, he would play 59 minutes, 34 seconds, 885 save percentages. He got 23 of 26 shots. Meanwhile, for Detroit, uh, again, Wade Megan looking kind of impressive in his 931 of ice time. He looked, you know, not too out of, terribly out of place, a journeyman, 28-year-old, but you need guys like that. Uh, D- Jacob DeLaRose, how about this, playing 17-11. Dylan Larkin, 18-08. Tyler Bertuzzi's 20-07 led the forward, so almost a night off for Larkin as he would only play 18-08. Um, Detroit did have the three or just the two players themselves under the 10 minute mark being uh, Wade Megan and Luke Witkowski. Um, everybody else kind of clumped under that 20 minute or I'm sorry, 2007 for Bertuzzi, but then everybody else uh, pretty much between actually Ferk had 1053. Everybody else is between 15 and 20 minutes, kind of showing the balance there that Detroit needed. Defensively, again, DeKaiser draws in. Chalowski stays in. Jensen stays in. DeKaiser actually replaced Erickson. And I think that's worth mentioning because I I had talked to Walt earlier in the week and said, you know, it, it can't be Chalowski that comes out. It absolutely cannot be Dennis Chalowski that comes out. Um, he has earned the right to stay in the lineup. He needs to stay in the lineup. The Wings as a franchise, I think, need him to stay in the lineup. And that was my concern was that when, when DeKaiser came back, he would draw in. But it took, uh, Erickson, I guess, got a bump of bruise in the game Thursday night. So Erickson sat. Uh, DeKaiser does get the goal. He was minus three, so he's got a little rust to shake off. He was actually very good for Detroit until the injury. Um, only one point by the Detroit defense score, and it was the DeKaiser goal. Um, everybody for them kind of pretty, pretty much balanced here in terms of ice time. Nobody over 21 minutes, nobody under 16 and a half. Uh, and Green and Chalowski did pace the wings overall at 20-38 and 20-29 of ice time. Jonathan Bernier, as I mentioned a moment ago, he got 38 of 42 shots, gave the wings a chance, a 905 save percentage, but Edmonton just a little bit better than Detroit on that night. So what's coming up for Detroit here after the 2-1 and one week? Actually, the 3-1 and one week, if you, if you want to go all the way back to that Dallas game last Sunday. Detroit welcomes in Vancouver, and that is scary on Tuesday the 6th, and that's scary just because Vancouver, as we mentioned a moment ago, one of the best teams um, in the Western Conference, the best team in the Pacific Division out in the Western Conference. So they will come into Little Caesars Arena. That game, as we said, Tuesday the 6th, so Detroit a little bit of time off as they got today and tomorrow off before playing Vancouver on the 6th. Again, back-to-back days off, and then they will have games on back-to-back nights. The Rangers will come in on Friday, November 9th. That's a 7.30 puck drop there. Carolina, uh, actually Detroit will travel to Carolina, and uh, that's probably the third game that we need to start mentioning with um, uh, Montreal and Boston. It just didn't happen to be the score, but Carolina just killing Detroit, drastically outplaying them. But I, I believe it was Jimmy Howard that night that kept it as a one-goal hockey game. Maybe, again, two with an empty netter. It's Carolina, I, I think, in the first period, outshot Detroit almost 20-2 to two or something silly like that. So Detroit will see what they can do on Carolina's home ice. So three games this week. Again, Vancouver, the Rangers, and Carolina. For those of you who are wondering how the seasons are going for the Rangers and Carolina, I know we quickly ran through the the, the standings, but let's take a little bit of a deeper look here at New York and Carolina. Again, we mentioned Sebastian Ajo, who's been fantastic for the um, Hurricanes. He's got, with assist in 12 of the team's first 13 games, um, the Rangers right now bringing up the rear in the Metro division. They are five, seven and one 11 points. So they're bringing up the rear, but they're also six out of first gives you how, again, it's doesn't matter, man. 
Just does not matter. That West, that Metro division just stays a jumbled mess all the time. They've scored 35 on the year, given up 43. They're coming off a two-game winning streak, and they are 5-4-1 and one in their last 10. So the Rangers have been, you know, solid. Uh, really just pretty solid so far. I mean, I know the two games under 500, but they're putting some things together. And again, even though they've, you know, a lot of guys, you know, Shattenkirk was healthy scratcher in the year. You know, they do have a, uh, some scores up front with Kreider and Zuccarello, Hayes and Zabinajad. So that'll be who the Wings will be kind of having to deal with up front uh, on that game Friday night. Again, I, I think we've talked enough about Pedersen and the rest of the crew there in Vancouver. Uh, Carolina currently, they are sitting pretty much in the middle of the Metro Division, 6-6-2 six, six, and two on the year, 3-6, and 3-6-1, six, six, and one, though, in their last 10. They've lost four straight, so they were out to the 6-2-2 two, and two start. They have struggled as of late, um, so Detroit may be an opportunity there to see if they can kind of get the ship righted or, I mean, it's the game Saturday. They'll have two games before then, but uh, Carolina struggling, but they got some time this week to see how they respond to a little bit of adversity. It's a, obviously a very long season, and they will play Tuesday against um, St. Louis and Thursday in Chicago before ho- hosting the Wings on Saturday. Again, besides Aho, guys, you're going to hear uh, Jordan Stahl, uh, Andrei Sevechnikov, Justin Williams, Theo Taravainen, Peter Morazic may get the start in net. Scott Darling there as well. Dougie Hamilton on the back end with Trevor Van Riemsdyk, Kelvin DeHaan, and Jacob Slavin. Some of the names you're going to hear in that game against Carolina. Well, folks, you did it. You listened to me for an hour and 20 minutes. I think you've earned the reprieve, but I thank you so much for joining me here on In the Box. I believe... I believe Walt and I will be together with you next week, the 11th. Looking forward to being back here. We'll see how the Wings do on a three-game week. They will try to uh, see if they can get another winning streak going after Edmonton ended the three-game winning streak. They still have a little bit of time left, or uh, still got plenty of time here. Uh, With the the two home games, it would be great to see if they could get some sort of winning streak going. But uh, we'll have to see about that. You can hear the good old hockey game playing in the background. That'll do it for In the Box. I'm Thomas. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back with you next Sunday.